everybody, Jimmy Warren. Welcome to a brand new episode of Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know what, before we get into what's going on on today's episode and the guest, I got something exciting to share with you and it's right here with six strings. It's by Burt Guitars. It's the new Jimmy Warren signature Telecaster. It's the JW-1 T-Rod. Yeah, it's an amazing guitar. Absolutely beautiful. It's made out of roasted swamp ash. The neck is roasted maple. It's got a Wilkinson roller nut, spurzel locking tuners. It's got bare knuckle pickups. This one is a P90. Of course, the one at the bridge is a humbucker. It's got hip shot bridge. It's got a three-way toggle. It's got locking strap locks. And it is absolutely beautiful. It is, oh, it's got my logo there on the the bridge plate, I mean the neck plate. So uh, it's a gorgeous guitar. Uh, the price point on this is $1,199. Normally a guitar like this would be around $2,500 and up. So uh, it's a great opportunity. So uh, check it out at BerksGuitarsUSA.com. Also go to JimmyWarrenOfficial.com. It's going to be in our shop there. And you can find out more information. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous guitar. Plays and sound great. You can listen to clips on my social media. Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. It's on all there. Got some videos going to be released. I'm doing some projects with some other players from my show and you're going to see this guitar featured on those so it's going to be really cool once again burke's guitar usa joe burke is the designer and the creator and the builder and he does an amazing job now my guest today is somebody that i've uh been following and known of for a, a long time uh he's been on shrapnel records for quite a while he's put out quite a few albums he's been all over the place and, uh, you know, he's had some moments of TV fame. Uh, he's been on the TV show Counting Cars. If you haven't seen that, it's uh, Danny Coker has a uh, custom shop in Las Vegas where he does cars and motorcycles and that. And <clears throat> Danny has a band called Count 77 and Stoney Curtis is his guitarist. And that's my guest today, Stoney Curtis. He's a great player, man. You know, I, I'm I'm a sucker for just good guitar, good tone, good riffs, you know, and uh, Stoney provides all that. So you're going to really enjoy this. We had an opportunity to chat about what's going on in Stoney's world. And, well, do yourself a favor. Sit down, put your feet up, get a nice, cool beverage, and enjoy this conversation with Stoney Curtis right here on Guitar Talk. Hi. Cool, man. It's nice to nice to finally meet you. Nice to meet you. Got some cool guitars yeah. back there. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. You actually, uh, I know you're from the Chicago area originally, but you've actually played in the town right next to where I live a couple of times because I live south of Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Riverdale. Yeah, and I, I had no idea you were here because I've known who you are forever, you know. Yeah. And uh, And I just found out because the guy who owns the venue – just contacted me to see if I'd come in and play. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, it's like, I thought it was all local guys. And he started spitting off some of the people who played there and he mentioned your name. And I'm like, well, shit, if I'd have known he was there, I would have went down. Oh, are you talking about uh, Leroy's? No, no, no. Uh, Looney bin. Oh, the Looney bin. Oh yeah, man. Nick. I love Nick. <laughs> That's a crazy place. It is, man. I had a great time there though. 
that's cool man that's cool well hopefully he'll have you back sometime soon you know i hope so I, well we're supposed to be out that way uh in august i do uh i do leroy's in indiana i do lansing uh they do like a little blues fest there yeah and then usually i'll do uh looney bit on sunday but well, we'll see if it happens this year yeah that'll be really cool really cool yeah. well man I, I i appreciate this as i said a minute ago you know i've i've known who you are i've been familiar with you uh for well because you know i i know my uh Mar, uh mike varney of course yeah uh, yeah you know and so i'm very familiar his roster was in my early days of getting into guitar and stuff you know his roster was it you know it's like yeah right me too that's like the that was a, it was almost like the holy grail of guys there you know between the the shrapnel stuff and the guitar player magazine stuff right oh yeah yeah all the all the heavy hitters in my opinion you know were there and a lot of them still are you know oh yeah that's really cool. So, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of your early days, if you don't mind. Sure. Because one, one of the things I like to find out is, you know, uh, in order to get to a level to where, you know, you're putting out albums and you're on a label and you're touring, you know, the world or whatever, um, there had to have been some things that you did in the formative days of developing who you are as a player that made you the player that you are now. Sure. What do you think a few of those things were? Uh, well, definitely it started with uh, Kiss for me, you know, when I was yeah. a, when I was a young kid, you know, Ace Frehley yeah. is like, oh, my God, you know, the superheroes that play rock music. Uh, but, you know, I had an older brother and an older sister that were, uh, you know, my sister was 13 years older than I was. So, uh, you know, she listened to Elton John and Motown and that kind of stuff. And so. I always had this, uh, I was always drawn to music as a young child. And then my brother, uh, my older brother was about nine years older than I was. And he was into Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and all that kind of stuff at the time. And then his, uh, a buddy of his actually gave me the Kiss Destroyer album. Actually, this, this one that's sitting right here when I was, yeah. about, ni when I was about nine years old. It said, here, wow. kid, I think you might like this. And uh, <clears throat> that pretty much just started this madness, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it kind of, you know, then it kind of progressed, uh, you know, from Chicago. So, you know, we're surrounded by blues and we're surrounded by hard rock. Yeah. And so, so UFO was a big thing for us uh, mm. when I was a kid, Michael Schenker, of course. Um, and that progressed into, uh, you know, uh, Robin Trower and Stevie Ray Vaughan and then kind of learning more about the blues, B.B. King, um, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But what did you do as a player? You know, I, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to developing, you know, your, your skills as a player, what did you do? I mean, did you, did you have a, a regimented uh, a rehearsal time? Was there certain things that you really focused on that you think maybe helped your picking or your fingering or, you know, anything? what were some of those, uh, you know, practical things you did, you know, playing wise that, that made you who you are now? Yeah, I think I just played all the time. I was fascinated. Yeah. I was fascinated with the guitar and I just loved it. I loved the sound of it. I loved holding on to it. I loved, you know, doing yeah. it in the mirror, you know, doing the whole yeah. thing, you know. Uh, but I think I just always played. But, um, you know, back then we didn't have all this stuff like YouTube and all that. You know, it was pick up the needle, move it, try to figure stuff out. And um, so I think that's just kind of how I developed my ear. And then I also kind of developed my own style because I could never really you know when you're a kid I couldn't play like Robin Trower but I could kind of you know I could kind of 
get in that mode of like, I think he's kind of doing something like that, you know, yeah. but I think that helped in a way to where it just helped me develop my own thing within the, uh, within the realm of who I was trying to emulate, you know? Yeah. Now, don't you think that that's, that's really important, you know, cause some people will say, well, you gotta, you gotta learn the licks of all the the legends right go in there and learn the hendrix licks and the stevie ray vaughn licks and the jimmy page licks and then you know take that and go further with it i I'm, i don't i don't buy into that so much i think it's more of you gotta you know i don't know i i think when i started playing i didn't try to play what they were playing i just tried to play along to it does that yeah, does that make sense I, I, and you're I, I, developing I, your own style that way I think it makes perfect sense. And I think more people should probably do that uh, because that's kind of how I did it as well. Same thing where that's how you yeah. develop your own style. That's how you develop your own sound. I, uh, Jakey Lee lives out here and he told me uh, a story recently and, and I, I really kind of was like, wow. And uh, somebody asked him, how do you sound like Jakey Lee? And he said, you don't because you haven't mm -hmm. lived my life. You haven't lived you know how you don't know how I developed my style or how how things came to you know to develop what Jakey Lee is right and uh and he said when he was young he learned the the Chuck you know the classic Chuck Berry lick right da 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 da, da. but yeah he, he found out later that he was playing it completely different than what Chuck Berry did because he never saw yeah. Chuck Berry play it he just learned it so right. he was playing it but he was playing it in a different position then he goes and then when, when he saw how it really went, he goes, oh, wow, that's so much easier to do it yeah. like that. But now I've developed my hand and I've developed my style to, to play it this way. So that kind of helped create how he played other things. Yeah. So it's hard to emulate that unless you kind of know how, where Jake is coming from or where the guy is coming from and how he's playing it. You know, and Jake said when, when he was young, <clears throat> and I, I, this, you know, it's true for me too. When you're younger, you're playing in your bedroom your mom's yelling, turn it down. You know, I don't want it to be too loud or whatever. So he would sit in his room and he'd play and he would hit so hard, strike the string so hard so that he could hear it, but that helped develop his style. So yeah. he has that aggressive style. So um, it's things like that. I think that people, you know, they, they forget to enjoy the ride and kind of develop their own thing with it, you know? Right. You know, I mean, because 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 wouldn't you say you know once you get past the point of okay i got a guitar and i'm learning the guitar now i'm in a band mm -hmm. right you're in your band and you're, you and your buddies are starting to play you know at different bars and stuff like that you know that's really the time that you really start to really develop and hone your skills wouldn't mm -hmm. you say because you know now you're in that group setting everybody's feeding off everybody you're learning how to you know, work a crowd and deal with owners. And it's just like, that's the period of time where you're just kind of putting the meat on the bone. Yeah, that's the journey. That, yeah. Absolutely, that, that's the journey. When you know, I started playing in clubs on the South side of Chicago, uh, uh, my buddy uh, lived in Linwood and his brother was a drummer. So his brother was 22 years old when we were 15, 16. So yeah. we would go play in these nightclubs as these kids. Right. But he was the adult. So, um, so we started playing in these little rock clubs when we were 16 years old and just kind of learning the, the ropes, you know, it could be a Tuesday night and it's the four of us in the band and the bartender and the bar back, you know, but yeah. that's how, it, you know, you're cutting your teeth and you're learning, you're learning, you're learning. And we would go see other bands and we had friends that played and we would have these, uh, 
parties and stuff we would all play and everybody just kind of that's how you developed you know it wasn't an overnight thing it's st stuff that takes years and right right I'm, well, I'm thankful and, for that. and even to this day you know you, you really think about it there's still moments where you're still you're still learning and there's still parts of you still being molded a little bit even after doing it for 20 or 30 years and that now being from chicago you just said you're playing on the south side that's where i cut my teeth mm -hmm. you know the checkerboard lounge lee's unleaded blues i don't know if you went hung out in those places and played those places at yeah. all well we played a place like called uh just angels which was like down, down at harvey and there was a place called uh, luigi i think was out down in the heights and uh there were some places uh yeah, like Lansing and you yeah, know, uh, yeah. those those kind of places. So you um, didn't so you didn't really like you didn't like hang out at the the Southside Blues Clubs. Well, we, like we would go there. We would go to these blues clubs when we were kids, you know, and this yeah. was again. This, now, this is a different wow. time, you know, yeah. where they, uh, you know, I saw Sun Seals at Blue Chicago on on yeah. Russian State Street when I was too young to be in there. Really? But it was it was also a different time, you know, where they'd be like, yeah okay, you little kids, yeah, okay, come in here, we'll let you sit down here and you enjoy the show. I don't know yeah. if you get away with that now, but uh, but back then we were able to kind of do some of that stuff. So I saw a lot of those great blues guys, Buddy Guy and Sun Seals and, uh, uh, you know, cats like that were right. back right. when it was real, you know? Yeah, you said, you know, the the, the blues scene in Chicago was, was so cool and so vibrant, mm -hmm. you know, for a period of time and... Uh, you know, and like a lot of other people, you know, once again, you know, that's, that's where I, I myself got, but they were so, they were such cool people, unlike today, and I'm not saying people aren't cool today, but unlike today, those guys would let you come in, they'd let you sit, sit in with them, they'd right. give you advice that, you know, they'd invite you wherever they were going, and it was almost like they were helping to develop you, you know, in some fashion, Absolutely. Way, you know, and that's gone. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, a lot of those guys are gone now. There's not really yeah. anybody left of yeah, those, well. you know, the, of the true blue guys. And uh, but yeah, they and that's kind of going back to that time where, you know, they welcomed you in there, and it wasn't uh, as mainstream as it got after. Uh, I always say there was like the, this is like the pre Stevie Ray death. You know, right. like you know uh, when Stevie died, you know there was this blues explosion where everybody put on a hat and cowboy boots, and <laughs> you know they were. They were blues guys but this was right. pre that when you know when stevie was still out there doing things um and buddy guy and these guys were pl still playing in clubs in chicago yeah 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 it's it's just it's just crazy i remember it was a buddy scott and the rib tips and buddy's mom played guitar for elmore james his son was the band leader for tyrone davis nice you know what i mean it was like yeah. this thing and buddy like took me under his wing and every all these places because I remember going to, I went to Coco Taylor's birthday party one time, and nice. it was like everybody under the sun was there. But because of him, he would, you know, you would get to know everybody. And before you knew it, you know, you were jamming with them later on. Absolutely. Yeah. That scene was so cool. Yeah. I, I miss a lot. Well, I miss a lot of, I miss the old days in many ways. So, yeah, but yeah. 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 The, those guys were, those guys were great. You know, the first time I saw Sun Seals uh, at, at that place when I was a kid, it, it yeah. just blew me away the way he played with such fire and such passion, but also the performance too. You know, it's yeah. just, it's the way he delivered it that makes mm -hmm. you just go, man, that's just, that's the real stuff. It just, it goes to the core of you, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. I actually played with uh, Son at Kingston Mines a handful of times. I love Kingston Mines, man. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's he, was, he was a raw player, man. I mean, his tone was just so raw, and you know, it was it was nasty in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of stuff I love. I love that yeah. just raw, nasty. You know, it's not always about technique. You know, it's it's a, it's sometimes it's just about just grabbing onto it and, and feeling it you know well that's the thing when i when i watch you play right when i when i watch you play i see somebody that just is like it it it, it appears to me like you're just pouring everything into it absolutely you know what i mean you're not holding back you're pouring you're, it's it's not really a show or anything it's just you doing your thing and you're pouring your heart into it you can yeah. tell when somebody does that I hope so. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, that's certainly where I'm coming from. It's just uh, I'm trying to express myself uh, the best way I can, you know, but but not thinking about it. I'm just it's just coming from the coming from the heart, you know, and just uh, and just letting it rip, you know. Yeah. So so you went from Chicago, you went to L.A. I did now. Correct. And now you're in Las Vegas. Now I'm in Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, what's what was the transition? Because you know, I've spent time in LA myself. What's the trans what was the transition like going from Chicago to LA? I mean, because even though you had the influence of blues, probably at the core of who Stoney Curtis was was a rocker. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah. So that was probably an eye-opener, probably a lot more opportunities. Yeah, and and uh you know, for being like a, a in the south suburb of Chicago. And then going to LA where everything's so spread out and, uh, you know, it's, it's just a whole different world back then, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, the, you run into a lot of people in LA that were great players, Yeah. you know, so they become an influence on you as well, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I liked LA and, uh, you know, that's kind of where I started, you know, my Stony Curtis band and that's really where I kind of got into it and, uh, played a lot of places in LA for, you know, everything from, uh, a blues fest to the street corner for a for a uh, farmer's market man I, I would do them all the five six nights a week you know it just right. but but playing 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 and uh that helped me develop again helped me develop my style helped me develop uh um being a performer keeping people entertained for four hours and yeah. uh learning how to play with a band yeah you know yeah. and it's kind of cool because there comes a time where like in the beginning you're playing you know, excessively, you're playing as much as you possibly can, wherever you possibly can, because like you said, you're developing yourself, you're built, building a fan base, you know, all that kind of stuff is going on, but it's kind of nice when you hit that spot where you can start playing selectively. Yes. Excessively, right? Yeah, for sure. Because, uh, you know, again, we were doing five, six nights a, a week, you know, some of them were great. Some of them were, you know, it's like a long day. But uh, yeah, you want to get to a point where you can say no. No mm -hmm. is a powerful word sometimes. Um, and uh, then you're out there just kind of doing more things to where you don't feel like you're draining your soul. You're able to kind of just let it go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's so much, it's so much easier when it gets it. But then you went to Vegas. What's the music scene like in Vegas? Vegas is like a, yeah, it's got a cool scene. Uh, it, how I ended up in Vegas was that I used to play at this, well, I still do, I still play at this place, but back then it was a little bit different than it is now. It's called the Sand Dollar, which is a blues club out here. Um, and I started playing there, man, it was like 2000. But yeah. I would do, I would do the, and that's how I met Mike Marnie is at the Sand Dollar and stuff like that. But I wouldn't even start, man, until 2.30 in the morning. 
Yeah. I play from two thirty to five thirty in the morning, and then now I'm develop. I'm still developing, and now I'm developing uh, my own crowd in Vegas because I I started two thirty in the morning, and I was able to pack the place because word started getting around. Oh, you gotta go. You gotta go check out this band. They're great, coming from LA, and uh, that's kind of how I developed uh, my following here, and also to help develop develop the band. Yeah, um, and then uh, you know eventually you kind of go man, I, I'm spending more time in Vegas and it's just much easier out here. I got more friends out here. It seems like, you know, more people <laughs> w- willing to play and do stuff. And yeah, so I, I, I ended up moving here. So yeah. And, yeah. I, and I do love it. We got a great scene. Uh, it's, it's expanding probably at too high of a rate right now. It's just Vegas is just exploding with the, the influx of people coming in here, the musicians and otherwise. Yeah. Um, but we, we do have a cool scene here. The rock scene is good, you know, now with the, with the count band, uh, you know, I'm in both worlds. I'm in, I'm in that hard rock world, the rock world, and still kind of in the, the blues world too, blues rock world. Right. Got your foot in the blues world. So uh, yeah, I know, I know Vegas has changed. So I was the last time I was out there a couple of years ago before, before the world went crazy, you know, right. I was out there. I think they were still building your stadium for the football team back then. I oh, think. right. Yeah. It's open now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, sure it is. Now. I'm sure yeah. it is. Well, cool. So, so how did you end up? You know, because I know that you also play with with Danny and Count Seven, right? Seven, 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 right? Yeah. How how did yeah. you end up in that? I mean, was he somebody you already knew from a long time ago, or? Yeah, well, I mean, the funny thing is, like going back to that those sand dollar days. Um, Danny used to come and see me play late at night at that club, uh-huh. but we never we never really knew each other. Um, and then uh, in Vegas here, you know, when we had that big crash, 2008, 2009, 2010, everything went to hell. A lot of these places started closing. Um, I think mm-hmm. even the Sand Dollar closed for a while. Uh, but Danny had his rock club and I had some buddies uh, that played over there and they would do a jam night over there. And uh, I would go over there and hang out with them and jam. And Danny would get up and jam with us because uh, yeah. he's uh, he's he's always been a singer. He's, he's his father was a professional musician so Danny's always been into music and is always sang um even long before any of the tv stuff um and we just kind of developed a friendship and started developing this little band here where we just kind of get together and jam and it just you know uh, I was working with Mike Barney already by then and uh Mike was uh living out here or I don't know if he was living out here full-time yet but he was here a lot Mm -hmm. and um you know he just uh he just said, you know, you think we can write some songs for this band too? It might be kind of fun. I was like, absolutely we could. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, so we started doing that and uh, it just kind of developed into what it is now. It's, it's been this, well, we just replaced the, the drummer, but it's been the same guys for 10 years. And uh, we, yeah, we go all over North America and, you know, it's, still, it's, 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 a, it's an expansion of the Stony Curtis band, you know, because now it's instead of three guys, it's now six guys. There's another guitar player, John Zito, does a great job. Uh, mm. He's a B3 player. And uh, it's a mix of originals and, and 70s covers. But, you know, the, the originals, it's, uh, it's still kind of that blues rock stuff. Just, yeah. you know, a little bit more on the 70s rock side. Right. Now, your, your band, though, you, you mostly perform as a trio, correct? Yeah, it's, it's always a power trio. Yeah. 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 Now, now what, what was Was there a conscious decision behind that or was that because I know some guys do it, you know, forgive me for saying this, but some guys do it for money. I've done that. 
Sure. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. got rid of the other guitar player, the keyboards, you know, so we can make more money. But it, it seems like uh, as a guitar player, it really forces you to, um, I don't know, uh, be better than the average guy. If that's, I mean, that's not a good way of putting it, but. Well, no, I, I, you know I, I totally I mean. understand. I understand what you're saying because you have to kind of develop to where you're filling up some space. You got to be strong. You got to be strong. You got to be a good yeah. rhythm player. And yeah. you got to be a good lead player, but you also have to be able to fill in fill in the gaps a little bit with a little bit of color, and that takes time to kind of develop. And so for for years, I'm used to being in a power trio. I I prefer being a power trio because I like the space, and mm -hmm. I like to be able to you know I like a strat where I, I got the bar and I could just do little shimmers here and there, and it kind of gives you this more of a you know you try to make it sound like an orchestra with three guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, with the right little, the little touches, you can, you can fill it up nice. Um, so actually being in the band with the count band was, it, and I still struggle with it sometimes because I'm used to just being the only melody instrument. Now yeah. I got another guitar player, you got a keyboard player and the whole sonic space is being changed a little bit. And how do I fit into this? You know, mm. with a three piece, you got more freedom and you could just kind of go into your own world with, with, with the six piece band, everything's got to be dead nuts on you know because yeah. if you're off it's all off right you know so right. um so and they they have their advantages and disadvantages on, on both of them but i've always yeah. loved the power trio and and because you know i grew up i loved robin trower you know i mm -hmm. loved the stevie ray Vaughan. you know there's three of them i loved the hendrix stuff and um cream all that yeah. that's the the, yeah. the the real power trios you know? right yeah the good stuff yeah yeah that's cool. Well, it's it's nice that you got both of those worlds, though, that you got, you know, your own band where you're doing your own thing. And that is a trio, but then to have the ability to step into something that's, you know, sonically different mm -hmm. and, you know, gives you an opportunity to to do something different, you know, and that it's and sometimes it's hard to dial back and just be in your you know what I mean? Play your parts, if yeah. you will, you know? Well, you know, the really cool thing about it too, man, is like uh, with the power trio, you know, the, and the blue stuff, like you're saying, it's like, you know, you just kind of put your head back and you kind of go into your own world and you're, you know, you could experiment more and you just, you know, it, it's a lot of freedom. But uh, the cool thing with the count band is it's like, a, it's a seventies style hard rock band where it has like, you know, the guitar hero thing. Yeah. So, you know, so now you get to be the guy you know, you're looping it up and you, you know, you got the, the lean backs and the, you know, all the, you know, the, the cool hard rock guitar poses and, you know, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and you kind of get to be that guy and I don't have to sing. So I have more freedom to kind of be a little yeah. bit more of a showman as well, you know? Yeah. That's, that's nice. That's nice. You know? Uh, so you've got six albums out if I'm correct. Yes. Last one was 2013. Any, uh, you know, working on a new one right now actually mike and i are working because my and mike's been on me about it too uh but you know i uh yeah the 2013 was, was the halo of dark matter but then we did the we did a couple of count records the count 77 albums yeah we put a couple of those out i do a, a charity event out here called uh, kiss night in las vegas which is uh we raise money for the music departments here for the high schools um and we've been doing that for about seven, eight years. And, and I did a couple of tribute albums of doing that kind of stuff too. So I, it, I've been busy, but um, I'm focused, starting to focus more on getting back into the trio stuff and get some new music out, which will be done this year. 
Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So how did how did things fare for you during uh, the downtime? I mean, because it seems like things are are finally starting to open back up more, where sure. people can get out and play and stuff. I mean, did you use that time as an opportunity to maybe hone some skills more? Did you write more songs? I mean, uh, how did uh, you- yeah, I learned. Uh, you know, I played a ukulele a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> there you go. You know, stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely took some time to, you know, you know, for me, um, I always want to learn how to be the engineer as well. Uh, so I, uh, I, I worked on that, uh, which was, which was really good for me because the, the guy that uh, taught me how to do it helped me build uh, the studio at Danny's place and he did it over the phone. So I had to do everything myself, oh, which wow. helped me develop to, to record yeah. and be an engineer as well. And I, I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy helping other people create music as well um because you know it's like i said too it's as much as i love playing the guitar i love watching other people play the guitar too i am a guitar fan and so i'm a fan of other guys so uh that was really good for me and um my band uh for about i think we did about 15 weeks where we do like a live stream you know so we would play for like 45 minutes have some of our friends on as guests and then uh you know play some music together and you know, hang out and, and chat. And so that kind of kept our mind in it a little bit, kept the chops up a little bit. Cause you know, it's easy to, it was easy to kind of sit around and, you know, just, you know, yeah. but you gotta, you know, you gotta keep playing or, or you know, it, it, when you go, when you go to really play again, it, you know, it you hurts. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hurts. You, you notice, you know, did you, did you find by doing the live stream stuff, did you find that you gained, uh a different audience because yeah, i know we, some guys that have done it and, and they they feel like they really gained an, a whole new audience that they didn't have before yeah we did actually because uh, a lot of people are seeing you every week because it, it was almost like a tv show i mean we yeah. had a couple we had a couple of different cameras i had a guy that would put up graphics and stuff so it was like an hour and a half tv show every sunday where people could kind of tune in and and we'd have you know we'd have a few <laughs> thousand people watching you know it was, it was pretty cool that's that's real cool that's yeah. real cool that's good that's good because now when you get back out there and you start playing well now you got these fans that you might have not have had before there well we hope so for sure yeah yeah now you've you you seem to be a strat marshall guy is that correct i mean is yeah well for uh for the stony curtis band it's definitely a, a stratocaster and a, a marshall uh, with, with and sometimes i'll uh, I'll do a Marshall and a Fender. I'll just do a Marshall or I'll do a couple of Fenders sometimes and run them in stereo. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you Stratocaster, because that to me is a working man's guitar. Uh, you know, it, yeah. I, it's like I've been playing a Strat so long. It's almost like an extension of your body. You know, I know where the bar is. I know where that volume knob is. I'm I'm always on the volume knob, seven, ten, five. You know, it's just mm-hmm. and it's just it's second nature. Right? We're in, I know where everything's at. Yeah. Um, and you could throw a strat against the wall and, and it, it'll say, give me some more, you know, <laughs> um, uh, with the, with the count band, uh, you know, it's more seventies hard rock. So it's more Gibson's, uh, you know, Les Paul, uh, I'll throw in a flying V once in a while, SG once in a while, mm-hmm. but it's more of a Les Paul and Marshall kind of band, uh, yeah. with, with, with that band. Yeah. Now, when it comes to your strats, um, uh, you know, is there anything that you do, uh to them when you get them i mean is there something specific that you have done on all of them like is there certain kind of pickups certain kind of pots is there something you do to the tremolo i mean is there anything at all or are you a guy that just doesn't mind taking it off the rack and there we go 
Yeah, I like them off the rack. The, the only thing that I usually change because I, I, I do hit hard, I, I strike hard. Yeah. Uh, I, I usually change out the saddles and put like graphite saddles on it. Mm-hmm. Um, just because uh, it's a little bit smoother uh, and they don't, the strings don't break uh, much uh, with right. my strats. I, I'm, I'm in standard tuning and I usually uh, 11s. Yeah. So they're a little bit tighter. So usually if I don't have the graphite saddles on it, I tend to pop a lot of strings. Yeah. So I'll put that on there. Uh, outside of that, nothing really. I, you know, if I buy the guitar off the rack uh, and it sounds good, <laughs> it sounds good. A lot of guys, they like to change out this and that. I go, well, I mean, I bought it because I like the way it sounded. I like the way it played. So I'll, yeah. I'll stick with that. Yeah. Well, there's some of us that we buy it just because it, it looks right. It feels right. No, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got, got that to sucker. Yeah. In the, I have a travel Les Paul that I have that like when the band travels with the count band, it's usually fly dates. Yeah. So, you know, we'll leave on a Friday, play Saturday, come home Sunday. So uh, I have a, a Les Paul standard uh, that I have, but I have the tone pro stuff on it. So everything's locked and everything's tight. Yeah. I have a, I have a JB Seymour uh, Duncan JB in the back because no matter what amp I get that JB is usually going to sound pretty good. Yeah. And the other thing uh, with that guitar, too, is um, it's chambered. So it's a little oh, bit lighter. Well, yeah. So it's much easier to drag <laughs> that thing, you know, because the count shows are usually about two hours of high energy kind of hard rock. So it's much easier to be throwing that thing around for two hours than it is a 10 pound real Les Paul, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be brutal. <laughs> yeah absolutely brutal now are you a guy that goes straight into the amp do you use rack effects do you are you a pedal guy or i'm a pedal guy uh but very minimal uh yeah i i, I dial a marshall you know i like to saturate I, you know i want to i want i want to have some heat to it but you know the gain i'm only on about five or six yeah uh, because i like that just kind of clean hard rock sound and then if, you know, for a solo, I'll kick it either with a, a tube screamer or a, a super overdrive or something, uh, you know, with the gain down just to kind of give it that little kick in the ass, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So you're not one of them guys that, you know, would be considered techie. You got all kinds of shit just laying around. No, no. Always playing no. with pedals. You know, you don't do that? No, too, too many knobs and forget it. <laughs> that, that's, why, that's why I like the simple Marshall, you know, 800 yeah. or, or JMP where it's got, you know, bass treble gain you know keep it simple all these flipping switches and all that i i that's too much for me and pedals i like to keep it simple like i said uh some kind of kicker a wah pedal phase 90 right chorus pedal you know that's really about it well the the rock blue stuff that you're doing you know i mean yeah that's that's really what it calls for that's all it calls for, right? Yeah, yeah and the rest of it—the rest of it—is the guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So cool. So uh, uh, I don't—I don't know a whole lot about the album structure with Danny's band in that, but mm-hmm. you know—is you guys got an album that just came out? You got another one getting ready to come out, or? Yeah, same thing with that. Well, there's two uh, Count Seventy Seven albums. There's the self-titled debut, uh, and uh, it's all original music. But there—I uh, think we have eleven originals on there. Then we did two covers. We did Snort and Whiskey. But Pat Travers played on it with us, and oh, we did, cool. uh, and we did Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, and Rick Derringer played on it because you know Barney knows these guys, so um, yeah. <laughs> so that was really cool, yeah. and then uh, and then we have uh, our second album, which came out I think in seventeen or eighteen, is called Soul Transfusion, uh, and that's all originals. It's about I think twelve songs on that as well. Um, yeah. 
uh, and you know, it's, it's me and Mike and Danny that write for the count band and it's, you know, me and Mike that write for the stony band. So like I said, Mike and I have a good relationship and we've yeah. developed a good writing, you know, style together. Um, but yeah, right now, uh, I've been working a lot on the new Stony Curtis album with Mike. And, uh, so we're going to do the Stony Curtis album and then we're going to fall right into the next count 77 album. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Cool. Well, I, I appreciate, you know, you, you, you coming on with me and yeah, I really appreciate it too. This is really cool that you reached out. I appreciate it. Well, man, I, I've always enjoyed your playing, you know, I Thank really you. have. And I actually enjoy Danny's band too. You know, I, I hate to say I watch his show all the time, but I do. It's a great show. <laughs> I, I've been to his shop, you know, when <laughs> I've been in Vegas. You the know, great thing than... about Danny too, man, is that what, what you see is what you get. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. He really is that. He really is that guy. He's he, him and his family are just super sweet people. And they do a lot for uh, they do a lot for the community here, uh, you know, music and otherwise, you know. Well, it's, it's good that you get to, you know, take your talents and be a part of that, you know, because you're a talented yeah. guy, you got good stuff. And I hope that when you get ready to release your next album, you keep my contact information and for sure reach out to me in that so that I can, I can push it out to the six people that watch me. I so, really appreciate that. Hey, that's six <laughs> more than, uh, than I had before. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so man, I, I got, appreciate So I already got 12 CDs sold in. <laughs> that's right we're all gonna buy two so we'll give you we'll all buy two you know help me you know that's that. awesome cool man well i appreciate your time i really do yeah, i appreciate yeah. it man thank you so much brother it's a pleasure meeting you and uh you know i'll let you know when this is gonna air i'll shoot you appreciate an email and that's uh, great you can do whatever you want with it and now i'll blast on rocking it. man hey, hey thank you man and, and it's good that uh, you're a chicago brother too so this makes it yeah. even better yeah all right man take care Take care, brother. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Stoney. Make sure you're following him on social media. We want to thank Stoney Curtis for participating in this episode. Make sure you go see him wherever he plays and get his music, buy his music, stream his music, support him. Yeah, he, he needs it. No. <laughs> Just kidding. He's a great guy. In that so, uh, and then don't forget about Burke's guitars. Yeah, the Jimmy Warren signature Telecaster. You can get it at burksguitarsusa.com or jimmywarrenofficial.com. Make sure you're tuning in to my brand new show, Metal Madness, on Thursdays at 10 p.m. This week, my guest is Rain of Z from Pittsburgh. Man, hard rocking band. Man, really, really good band in that and uh in the coming days on guitar talk we've got uh, eric johnson warren haynes kenny wayne shepherd uh we've got quite a few people uh, like that coming on so you're going to be in for some treats going into season four starting in january so uh, thank you so much for tuning in to guitar talk make sure you sign up and subscribe to our uh, website so you can get on our mailing list and until next week i'm jimmy warren thank you for tuning in to guitar talk